We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Blue wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host Nick Filato. On tonight's show, we are going to dive back into our NFL Draft 2021 profile series. We're going to take a little bit of a turn tonight. We're going to do a player and a prospect at a position that we haven't touched much on yet. And that's the linebacker position. I don't really exactly know where on the second level he's going to play at the next level, especially because he played in a 3-3-5, a weird-ass defensive alignment at, in college. And that's Zaven Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa. So there's a lot to talk about with Collins. Where could he, if, if, if Collins, in relation to maybe his fit with the Giants, where would he play? 
what kind of prospect is he for the Giants? Because I think he's going to be a very scheme-specific prospect. I think some teams are going to have him way higher on draft boards than other teams, and we can get to that as well. But let's start with this. Six foot four, 260 at the linebacker position. That's absolutely insano length and size. You would think you would look at that on paper, right, Nick? And you'd be like, oh, he's six foot four, 260. This is an old school thumper linebacker, but that's literally the opposite of what he is. He's actually struggled when it comes to tackles, missed tackles, and actual run stops. And he was great as a blitzer, and he was great in pass coverage. So why don't we start with your overall opinion of Collins and his strengths? Yeah, like you mentioned, Tulsa runs a 3-3-5 type of defense, and Collins was used all over their front. He has experience at Mike, rushing off the edge, and at Sam, but Honestly, he was predominantly used as a will linebacker for the Golden Hurricane. And his frame suggests more of a Sam, but Tulsa loved using his length to close those throwing windows at the second level, and they trusted him enough in man coverage against college running backs and tight ends. And honestly, it's hard to argue the results, man. He had a great 2020. And I think my favorite thing about Collins is his incredible versatility. He seems to fit that mold of the Patriots type of second level defender, which obviously fits with the Giants coaching staff wants to do because Joe Judge and Patrick Graham both have roots there. And Collins, like you said, he's six foot four, 260 pounds, playing linebacker. That's, like you said, insano. You can do so much with him, though. He's a pure mismatch weapon from a blitzing standpoint because good luck blocking that guy with a running back and six man protections on the edge or even in the B gap. He's going to obliterate those people. He has enough movement skills to spot drop and cover in zones. He was a dominant high school quarterback and seems to understand what the offense is trying to do to the defense brings quality route recognition and reactive quickness to the defense he's just a unique blend of size length short area quickness linebacker processing skills pass rushing upside and zone coverage ability he reads reacts well to his keys in the run game is an excellent pursuit defender from the backside, and he's violent when he wraps ball carriers up teams are going to love the upside and the potential with collins i think it's easy to see why they will to be honest yeah collins like you said former high school quarterback not only a high school quarterback though at in his high at his high school he played quarterback linebacker and safety he's the rare breed two-way player they don't make them like that anymore this is like some 1940s 50s type crap <laughs> but he was fucked he was out there rocking quarterback linebacker safety listen to some of these hilarious stats that he had from high school 4084 rushing yards 54 rushing touchdowns 3056 passing yards 32 passing touchdowns and then more than 200 tackles on the defensive side of the ball playing both safety and linebacker he came from a high school that uh, a town that had 4,000 people so he didn't have any power five offers he was a three-star recruit he's worked for everything that he has he's worked from a three-star recruit who arrived at Tulsa converted fully to the defensive side of the ball plays a unique position in this defense but looked awesome doing it to now basically profiling as somebody who many believe will be a first round pick now we will get to that later because I actually don't think he will be and I think he will be available for the Giants at 42 I know you probably disagree with that so I want to get to that a little bit later and I'll explain my take as to why I think he'll be available but the fact that he's worked himself into this conversation to me is really impressive and so I want to go over a couple stats that stood out to me because you just went over the strengths and then we'll get to the weaknesses because I do want to talk a little bit about that starting with the stats 
two things that stand out to me about Colin's game immediately, and it's not just the fact that, like you said, he seems like an absolutely perfect fit to me to what Graham does on defense. And for this positionless, second-level type linebacker, the Giants are always going to be looking for as long as Graham is here. First of all, he had a 91.1 pro football focus grade in 2020 after finishing in the high 70s in 2019 and 2018. So this was a true breakout season for him. He really came into his own. But not only was he really good overall, he had a 93.7 pass coverage grade. Literally at 6'4", 260, his length, he uses his slank so well in pass coverage that he had four interceptions and a pass breakup in just eight games. What the hell are we talking about? We're talking about a linebacker, a 6'4", 260-pound player who has four interceptions what does that even mean now in addition to being a dominant pass coverage linebacker he was also and that may necessarily mean in man like you said he was used as a will he was used in a lot of ways that kind of seem similar to how maybe the giants could use him in that like edge role to drop into coverage into those zones but he was also a really really good blitzer he had a 90.6 pass rush grade he was almost impossible for these running backs to cover as a blitzer off the edge and also through the middle so I think when it comes to those two things they really stand out to most of me he had 24 snaps in the slot 52 on the defensive line with his hand in the dirt and then 386 in the box and that's pretty consistent with his two seasons before that so he really is a box defender like you said he'll play a little Mike he'll play a little Sam but uh but he'll also play a little Will linebacker so my question for you would be what are his weaknesses in your mind? So this 2020 tape was nothing short of great from everything I've seen and everything I've heard as well. But it was modest before his breakout season. I mean, there were going to be questions about his level of competition because he's playing at Tulsa. It's not Power 5. But he really stepped up in big games, kind of put his name on the map for people to see in 2020. I always like to see players from smaller programs kind of play up to their competition. And those are all great qualities, all great things. However... And I don't think he's terrible at taking on blocks, but I do want to see a bit more power and winning in this area for a player of his size. You know what I'm saying? I, I want to see him defeat those more easy. I want to see him be a little bit more of a sure tackler because he did miss some tackles in space when he's not in the alley or tracking ball carriers from behind. And I feel Collins would have success really kind of in any scheme that utilizes linebackers in their blitz packages like you said he might be a little bit scheme specific i think going to a team like the giants team like the patriots a team that really likes to incorporate linebackers in their blitz packages might be the best way to kind of maximize someone like zaven collins so he might not be this kind of cup of tea the same cup of tea for every single team but i think he's going to be a good player and he'll be a good second level defender so i really hope someone like patrick graham looks into someone like this if he were to fall but uh, i don't think he's going to fall to that second round well, 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 I will say this. I know you don't think he's going to fall that second round. We'll get to this a little bit later. But when you talk scheme-specific, he's going to be off the board for a lot of these teams. They're not going to use a first-round pick on him because he doesn't fit their defense. And that, to me, leads to—and we're going to look at it. We're going to look at all the teams drafting between about 25 and 41 in that range, that 16-17 pick range before the Giants pick again. And we'll see who could take them, who fits the, if he fits those defenses. And I'll go one by one with you and see if you think he's a fit for that defense. And I know he can fit in a lot of different defenses, but I do get the feeling that some teams will have him off the board. Like you said, he isn't the best linebacker when it comes to he's okay like you said in, as a run defender when he's tracking or i'm sorry when he's when he's in pursuit similar to kind of how alec ogletree was in 2018 but head on i don't think he's the best inside linebacker i don't think he's the best run stopping linebacker he had eight missed tackles in 2020 37 total in three seasons that's a lot of missed tackles for any player let alone a linebacker the one thing i will say to kind of speak for him 
would be that he's relatively new to the position. So he's learning the position more as a, in a full-time manner because in high school he was doing so many different things for the high school team, the small high school team. And this is also a kid, like you said, man, no Power 5 schools were looking at him. This kid started from humble beginnings in a football standpoint and just broke out at Tulsa. And from everything I've heard about him is he's an incredible high character, high work ethic type of kid who could have handled so many different things for Tulsa. I, I listened to an interview a while ago w- with his head coach, at Tulsa and the head coach was talking about yeah we recruited him and we wanted him to play defensive line or linebacker but if that didn't work I think he could have stepped in and just been a tight end with the knowledge base that he had about offensive football and just his athletic ability in general yeah I mean it's definitely interesting as far as his profile overall as a prospect I'm incredibly intrigued by him I love taking swings on these type of prospects Mm -hmm. humble beginnings work for everything he has but also has incredible athletic upside and is new to position but i will say this i am definitely a little bit put off by things like that eight missed tackles 37 three seasons and the fact that he just had 16 total run stops in 2020 that was literally 169th at the linebacker position that scares me a little not really anymore because the giants have blake martinez on this roster and because that's kind of old school nfl thinking i think that he could really make an immediate impact in pass coverage for the giants and as a blitzer and those are really the only two things i actually care about at the second level especially with blake on the roster say blake isn't on the roster i'll care a little bit more about those kind of things say james uh, i'm sorry jabril peppers isn't on the roster or he's injured i'll care a little more about those kind of things but with blake with preppers we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the alley with Blake Martinez in there, that doesn't concern me as much, especially with not only a roster construction right now, but with how the NFL is moving. So those are fewer concerns for me with Collins, but let's take a turn to how we think he might fit before we do what we said we were going to do, which is kind of look through those teams and see if he might be on the board at 41, because I think it's clear to say he won't be in the discussion at 11, correct? Yeah. Now, before we do any of that, let's talk a little bit about how he might fit into Graham's system. We've hinted throughout this podcast already that he could be a perfect fit for a Patriots-type system, a Giants-type system, a Dolphins-type system, a Ravens-type system. These are all similar. But let's actually take a look and unpack that a little bit. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. 
According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Nick. Big picture questions. Zayden Collins. He does seem like a very scheme-specific specific player. I think this will cause him to fall to day two, like I've said. We'll talk about it in a bit. But seeing as his abil- best abilities are his length and athleticism and coverage and his blitzing ability, is he literally the perfect fit for what the Giants need and Patrick Graham's system? I think he'd be an excellent fit with Patrick Graham, with what they want to do, with, they, with what they did with Tay Crowder and Blake Martinez, using him as a blitzer. And this guy has the frame and... Everything about his body and even some of his athletic ability and what he did at Tulsa suggests that he would be a solid kind of edge rusher in in third and long type of situations, kind of like what Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin did. And that's hard to argue with. It really is. Because I could see Patrick Graham, if they were to draft this kid, say, in the second round, playing next to Blake Martinez. Holy crap, the length and just the size of that second-level defender being there is amazing. Going to be closing all those passing windows in the second level, which is great. And he also has good short area quickness and change of direction ability for someone of his size and stature. Now, I don't think he's going to be carrying you know, super quick running backs up the <laughs> field and stuff like that and man coverage. I don't think that's something that he's going to be really, really great at I wouldn't say that but I do think that he could step in and be an excellent not just two down type of defender because on third down you could bring him on the blitz you can ask him to spot drop in his zone coverage and he could do those things at a solid level for you so I think there's just a lot of positives to seeing him wearing Giants blue I just don't know if that's going to be what the Giants are going to do so would you see him as someone who you run to the podium if he's there at 42 for I wouldn't say run to the podium just because I'm sure there's probably going to be other prospects that we like and other prospects that we have to consider. But I, I definitely would say that's somebody that you would have to seriously consider. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by him. And if they were to, let's say, be lucky enough to draft Collins at 42, in your mind, that would be considered lucky enough. I guess you just don't think he's going to be there. I guess it's not lucky enough if you think there might be other prospects who compete for that spot, but you just don't see him being there. But if they were to draft Collins... Where? How do you project Graham to use him? What positions do you think he'd play? On what downs and distances would he be in those positions? Where would you see him on the field in year one? I think he would probably play a more Sam type of role, maybe. And I think it would be interchangeable, to be honest. I think he would do Will at times. That's more on the backside. Sam is more on the strong side where the tight end is. Like I said, I think he needs to get maybe a little bit better on taking on blocks, which makes him profile more in the NFL level to the Will, which is what he did at college. But I also think he would be putting his hands in the dirt sometimes. I really think he would be an edge rusher for the Giants at times, especially if Lorenzo Carter isn't fully back or Onshin Zimenez is on the shelf again. So I just think he would operate from the linebacker position down to the defensive line in all of those facets. And sometimes they could even use him inside on a third and incredibly long if they wanted to. Now, yes. he doesn't profile like that. He didn't do that a lot in college, but I don't think it's out of the question for somebody who's 260 pounds. Now, he's not somebody who's going to bend the edge like crazy. No. He doesn't have that elite type of twitch or anything like that, but can he line up on the edge, two-point stance, send him rusher? He can use his hands a little bit better. He can develop that as when he gets to the NFL. I think all those things are within the realm of possibility for someone like Zayvon Collins. And I trust Patrick Graham and that coaching staff to unlock that out of this kid. So if 
second round rolls around, Zayvon Collins is available. I think that's a great fit. I think he would fit excellently with some of the other teams we're going to go over a little later. Yeah, and I think, like you said, not only can he operate all those things in year one for the Giants, he could be what Fackrell was, in a sense, as a zone drop defender and better than what Fackrell was, better than what any of the Giants really had there, Coughlin, any of the guys they really had at that, even before the injuries, Carter, Zimenez, any of those players, he profiles projectively he profiles to potentially provide a massive upgrade for the Giants in pass coverage at the second level in addition to like you said what he offers as a blitzer which is kind of unknown because he really was overpowering running backs in pass protection and he was a bit overpowering in general as a blitzer like you said he doesn't have incredible edge bend he's not the twitchy kind of like that type of athlete he's not a Von Miller but he may not need to be like you said if it's third and incredibly long you line him up with the mic and you have him blitz the a gap he could completely overwhelm the running back in pass protection a big reason why the bear front is being more prevalent in the NFL right now is because it really hurts the offense's ability to execute six-man protections without putting the running back on the edge to take on the linebacker in space or to take on the end man on the line of scrimmage in space. And you don't always want a running back on the edge because they're more susceptible when they're out there trying to block on a lateral plane like that. Now, you put Zayvon Collins in that situation and you run the bear front with, say, they bring Dalvin Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, and Dexter Lawrence is there. Dalvin Tomlinson and Leonard Williams are back. Good luck, running back. Good luck, 195-pound running back blocking 260-pound Zayvon Collins coming around the edge. It's, it's, it, it would provide the defense a lot of uh, flexibility to run different types of fronts, and it would be on Patrick Graham to isolate Zayvon Collins against that running back, and it's so much easier to do that with a linebacker than, say, the prototypical guy who always puts his hand in the dirt. Yeah, I think it's spot on. I mean, I think like you said, you see countless examples when you watch Collins of not only making such an impact in the pass game, like I said, four interceptions in eight games and a pass breakup, and he's so long to get in those passing lanes, it makes it so difficult, but also of him just embarrassing running backs and pass protection. He's a huge athlete, fluid, fast, and incredible size-speed combo, and that makes him really overwhelming for running backs and pass pro. I think he could immediately provide the Giants with things that they need better pass coverage better pass rushing right away from the second level immediately now the question that i have is if you're taking a player at 42 say he's there and we'll get to that again in a minute recently the giants have been finding value from that spot you know xavier mckinney they drafted him the injuries changed his role but if he was healthy the entire season he was going to be an every snap player and i think what you're looking for at that pick in the early round two is an every snap player is where Collins is at right now as a run defender in your mind, does that make him more of a situational player right away and someone who either needs to progress greatly in that regard to become an every down player or someone who you just don't see a fit for right now in this current Giants defense with the way it's shaped with Blake Martinez on the roster with everything else that's currently on the roster as an every down player? And if so, if he's not, and you have to answer that first, is he worth taking with the 42nd pick? I think he could be an every down player. I think there's development that has to happen with someone like Zayvon Collins. I think it's fair to say that. I think Zayvon Collins also is leveraging an excellent season, riding that into the draft, which kind of puts his draft pedigree higher. But I don't think he's going to be someone that you're only using on third down and in these blitzing type of packages. I think he's someone that can develop into a three down starter, especially in a system like Patrick Graham's. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think there's so much untapped potential with a player like Collins. I think that's probably why you think there's a good chance he will be selected way before the Giants draft at 42. Someone will look at him and be like, this is a player worth drafting 
right now because we think we can potentially get the next Brian Urlacher, let's say. That's who Pro Football Focus called him a poor man's Brian Urlacher, which I thought was funny. I mean, it's probably partially because he's the former safety. He's played both sides of the ball. Like you said, the fact that he played quarterback, I think, like you said, gives him a unique viewpoint. It's like whenever we see those former quarterbacks play receivers, don't you always seem like they can get open in zone coverage? Doesn't it always seem like they have a knack for finding the open holes? It's similar when you have a quarterback converting defensive side of the ball. He sees the game a little bit differently. I think that's certainly the case for Zayvon Collins and pass coverage. Now, just last year, Nick, the Giants drafted a linebacker prospect with a lot of length. Some people said incredible length for the position, for the linebacker position, and untapped athleticism. Now, they're different prospects. Stephen Collins has probably a lot more athleticism, equal length, and a lot better size. But Cam Brown, a linebacker the Giants drafted just last year, they found to be an incredible value for where they got him at, specific to how he could fit the system and specific to what they want now at that second level with length and athleticism. Do you think that because they're interested in a player like Brown, they might be interested a lot in a player like Collins? Absolutely, and I think we've seen Patrick Graham and this just entire coaching staff, Dave Gettleman, put a very high precedent on longer-type players, and one that's 260 pounds with those type of movement skills and space isn't overly stiff. Now, I'm not saying that he has Asante Samuel Jr.'s hips or anything like that, but for a 6'4", 260-pound dude, this guy can move, and that's going to definitely catch the eye of a lot of NFL type of evaluators and as for Cam Brown you see his long arms you saw him play a pretty solid role down the stretch his snaps were increased and they used him on the edge because they had no more edge rushers but Zayvon Collins in Cam Brown's spot that is such an upgrade and that's not a knock on Cam Brown Cam Brown was a six-round pick Zayvon Collins has the potential to be a first-round pick in the next draft and Zayvon Collins is the better overall prospect but just from a length standpoint Yes, you can definitely draw parallels, but I mean, from a skill set standpoint, Collins is superior. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, let's see if there's any chance the Giants do, will have an opportunity to get him at 42, Nick, because as we know, the Giants under Dave Gettleman are highly unlikely to trade back. Uh, they just haven't, he's never done it in his whole career, not only with the Giants, but with Carolina. That's not his thing. He'd rather trade up. So it's probably going to be 11 and 42. We don't think he'll go at 11. What's the earliest you think Collins can go? We'll start there and then we'll go team by team. All right, so the earliest that Zabin Collins can go, I would say somewhere in the early 20s, and I'm looking at some of these teams now. I would have said 22 to the Tennessee Titans, but they do have the kid that they drafted out of Alabama a couple years ago who's still playing at a high level, still on his rookie deal, so I'm not sure if they would go in that direction. But then I look at 24. I look at, hey, you have Devin Bush. He's coming off of an injury, and this is where Pittsburgh Steelers are selecting. Look at Zayvon Collins, and I could just picture this guy being a Pittsburgh Steeler and playing him next to in their 3-4 base defense next to good old Devin Bush. And then on the other side, Bud Dupree leaves. You could also line him up the edge. You could do different things with him. I think that makes sense. I think the Ravens at 27 also makes sense. Yeah, Ravens at 27 makes sense. Steelers at 24 makes sense. And then moving on to round two... I don't know. I don't really think any team other than the Panthers, who have kind of moved forward with a similar type of defensive mindset as the Giants and the Ravens and these type teams, makes sense before the Giants. I don't see a lot of these other teams viewing him as maybe a, a great fit for their defense. Uh, maybe Robert Salah and the Jets could see. Could, I could potentially see it. But again, I think there's a decent chance that he could be available there for the Giants. There's a lot of really good tackle prospects in this draft. A team like the Steelers really need to upgrade their offensive tackle position. I also look at the Saints, though, too, at 28, yeah. and, I'm, and I consider them. I'm Even lo- after going Bond? 
They went Zach Bond. And what are they doing with Bond? Did Bond, did Bond even rush the passer this I don't past know. year? Bond, they're so deep at linebacker, and they're so deep in that front seven that Bond couldn't find a way on the field. They're re- they've spent a lot of assets on that front seven. I would be surprised if they went that direction again, but you never know. Yeah, what's – um, is it Demario Davis? Yes. How old is he now? And he's he's still yeah. under contract. Is Al Canzaloni, is he a uh, free agent yet? I'm not sure, but he's another guy. They just have so much depth on that second level. Yeah, no, and then I'm looking through the rest of these teams that are that are picking. I mean, I'm not 100% sure what the hell Jacksonville is going to do. Could <laughs> they add someone like that? Yes, but they could add a lot of different type of players. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I mean, looking it over, there's definitely a good chance that he could come off the board early. And also Miami, man, at 36 in the second round, I think – I mean, they, they their defense is the strength of their team right now, but Collins definitely fits what I think Brian Flores would want in a linebacker and in a versatile type of defender. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. They did just sign Van Noy last offseason, so they have invested in that position, at least from a mm-hmm. cap standpoint. So we'll see, but you're right. It will. It might be tough to get Zayvon Collins, but again, he's somebody who we're definitely interested in, somebody the Giants are very, very, very likely to be interested in based on his profile. Um, and that's we'll wrap it up there for Collins in this. And we're going to dive into some questions from the listeners in the meantime. And so we'll start here with a question from Bowman Klein. Bowman Klein, longtime listener of the podcast, big time fan. He said, uh, it's about time you guys did another podcast. I was in the desert, but he's just kidding. He says, thanks. He said he's ready to mull over realistic options at right tackle. Can pick 11 be a right tackle? Also, can we dream of a scenario where the Giants sign a free agent wideout and DJ and Barkley return and they have a good offensive line all in 2021? You know what, Dan? I'm going to have you take this one because I know you've been pounding the we cannot be overlooking the offensive line table. Yeah, I don't really understand what's going on right now with this offensive line. I don't think people have really considered the fact that, one, Daniel Jones was pressured on 40.3% of his dropbacks. The only quarterback pressured more was Sam Darnold. And remember, the Jets were basically a Division I AA team last year. It seemed to be tanking, not really, but won one game. Two, Giants graded out dead last, I think, behind the Jets in pass protection overall, according to Pro Football Focus. Not the gospel, but when you're dead last, it's something to consider. Really, with the exception of center and left tackle, and even left tackle, you're making a little bit of a projection because Thomas was terrible in the first seven games and then pretty good in the second half. Without those, with the exception of those two positions, I don't feel comfortable anywhere else. I don't feel comfortable with Shane Lemieux at left guard. Right guard, I feel comfortable if they keep Kevin Zeitler, but if they cut Zeitler to create cap space, I do not feel comfortable about a Lemieux-Hernandez type combo there. And then right tackle, Matt Parrott, I wanted to feel great about him in year two, but he really didn't look good down the stretch in pass protection. He had such a bad series of plays against the Ravens that he had to get benched, and that was week 16. So expecting somebody to go from week 16 in one season to week one in the next season and just be a completely different player, we hope it can happen. It's definitely possible that it can happen, but it's no guarantee, and it's nowhere close to a guarantee. So with that said, the offensive line is still a major priority to me. Now, do I think we can have that dream scenario where you have the free agent wide out, you have a good O-line? I'm not necessarily sure the Giants can ha- can go from a bad offensive line to a good offensive line in one offseason. I think they can be league average if things go really well on the offensive line, if Lemieux takes a big jump, if Hernandez may- or if they keep Zeitler, and if they can find something at right tackle. Maybe, like you said, Bowman through the draft. Maybe what you're suggesting is the realistic option could be taking a tackle at 11. So now, Nick and I have not gotten too far into any of these tackles yet, with the exception of Penny Seawall, who... Nick's done a lot of work on. I did a lot of work on last year. If he's on the board at 11, he's my number one target. 
Case closed. I don't give a crap. I think he's probably the best player in this draft that's not a quarterback. So I'm done there. I don't need to debate that with anyone. I don't want to hear about positional needs. I don't give a crap. If Seawolf's there, we take him. But as far as the next guys, Rashawn Slater, who's really high on Daniel Jeremiah's board. Some people love him. Christian Darasaw, who's just an absolute mammoth of a man there at Virginia Tech. Jalen Mayfield, some people really like out of Michigan. And I know some people who really like Samuel Cosby, who's not getting a lot of buzz, but I know some people who really like Samuel Cosby. And just last year, we were talking about Alex Leatherwood as a potential first-round, obvious blue-chip type tackle. So, And he's further down the list. So there's a lot of depth there. I think it can be addressed either at 11 or 42. But my question for you, I guess, would be, Nick, and I'll throw this now over to you because you threw it on me. Would you consider one of these prospects at 11? Yeah, I think they're definitely in consideration. And I haven't gotten my eyes on any of these guys other than Seawall and Dylan Reduns, who is going to probably be I would think in a second round pick a lot of people are talking about on the first round but like we kind of say often there's like 90 first round picks right now in the draft community so it's kind of hard to suss through all of that I really want to get my eyes on Rashawn Slater from everything I've heard he's someone who definitely intrigues me Darisol is more of that I'm gonna maul the crap out of you which I think appeals to Dave Gettleman but I also don't know how athletic he is and how quick his feet are I just haven't watched any tape on him I'm trying to get to someone like Darisol as for Dylan Reduns the kid from North Dakota State I went down to the senior bowl remember he only played in one game in 2020 against Central Arkansas goes down to senior bowl he struggled on Tuesday's practice and then he had a pretty solid rest of the week and game I think he's a solid prospect I don't think I'd be overly excited the Giants went in that direction I think he's going to be a little bit more of a zone type of guy he's not necessarily a mauler he's more of a turner if that makes any sense he can seal the edge and he can turn bodies with good core strength but he's not going to push people vertically off the line of scrimmage enough to maybe appeal to the power gap or more so the duo than power gap that Jason Garrett and this offense are really going to want to run. And he also has like eight and a half inch hands, which isn't something that overly appeals to me. Doesn't necessarily have that pop in the hands that you really, really look for, which is understandable since he does have smaller type of hands. But I think he'll be a solid player. But I mean, just from what I've heard about Rashawn Slater, he sounds like someone that would appeal to me, but I got to get my eyes on that tape. Yeah, and when it comes to Slater, if they were to go that direction at 11, he does offer them flexibility as well because some people believe Slater could be a dominant, like all pro guard, in addition to being a very good tackle. But he could be an all pro guard based on you know some things like his length and and uh, you know his wingspan, things of that nature. So in that scenario, you give yourself the opportunity of having Parrot develop as your starting right tackle, Slater play right guard, or. You maybe can even kick Pert inside. I don't think it's a guarantee that Pert can't play guard. You never know. Nick Gates, no one expected him to be as good as he was at center. And look, he transitioned there and was immediately good. But I also think it's important to note that this is an incredibly deep tackle class, in my opinion. At 42, I think, is going to be potentially the sweet spot, more so than 11 for the Giants. We're talking about players that Nick mentioned. Even a Tevin Jenkins is somebody I got my eye on. An absolute mauler. A big boy, six foot six, three ten. And I've talked about Cosme, who I really like. Liam Eichenberg is a player people really like from Notre Dame. I think we mentioned uh, Alex Leatherwood. This is just a really deep class. You usually don't get good prospects at that spot. And even Mayfield, like we said, from the Michigan kid, I mean, I think there's a good chance he can be there. The depth of this class could easily push someone down at 40. You have to understand something. It's just like the wide receiver position. Everyone's like, oh, no, he'll go in the first round. He'll go in the first round. He'll go in the first round. Not everybody can go in the first round. When a class is this deep and when a position is that deep, guys will get pushed down naturally. Not everybody needs to draft an offensive tackle or wants to draft an offensive tackle. Not everybody needs to draft a wide receiver or wants to draft a wide receiver. So to me, tackle seems like a very strong position at 42, like receiver. And I'm not 
not so sure I feel as confident about a linebacker or a cornerback at 42 as I do maybe a tackle or receiver. So that's probably where I more have my eye on, but I'm definitely open to the possibility of a Slater at uh, or a or you know a Slater or a player like that at 11 as well. Or even later, I think there's developmental tackles that I saw at the Senior Bowl that were pretty good. Western Michigan's Jalen Moore, Dan Moore Jr. from Texas A&M, the the kid from Cincinnati, James Hudson. He's new to the position, was a tight end, transferred over. He looked like he definitely has a lot of promising traits. Really, really quick type of feet. Spencer Brown, a lot of people like him. The kid out of Northern Iowa. So I think there's a lot of guys maybe you can get after even day two that could be solid developmental pieces for the Giants to kind of groom on this offensive line and possibly fill in for the right tackle if Matt Parrott doesn't end up working out. No doubt. And again, remember with Matt Parrott, we're all excited about him when they drafted him. We love the idea of drafting a prospect like Parrott. He looked pretty good right away when he played for the Giants, especially in the run game, but he struggled mightily in the passing game. And remember, he's still a barely top 100 draft pick at the offensive tackle position the hardest position to find in the nfl a position with a high bust rate for a reason and i don't think that's someone you just pencil right in as the starter right away i think you view those types of picks as guys who can potentially be your swing tackle as guys who can potentially kick inside and play different positions on the line as guys who you hope can be your starting right tackle but not someone you pencil right in so i'm still very open to upgrading that offensive tackle position even though the giants did draft two tackles last class All right, Dan Orlando asks, how likely is it that Joe Judge outranks Dave Gettleman on personnel decisions? And that's why DG was able to say the Giants had their first strong offseason since 2016 last year. I honestly think it's more of a collective thing. I think Dave Gettleman gets the final say, but I think he's... I think it's a very collective type of work environment with the New York Giants. I think the Giants coaching staff, their scouts, their director of college scouting, all of these people get a huge say in what's happening. And then Dave Gettleman, being the general manager, makes that final pick, but it's all based on what he sees and what the entire coaching staff and what the the entire front office sees as well. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think that I'll qualify it by saying this. I don't have any insight on this, and I'm not sure if Nick thinks he does as well. I would assume he probably has the same answer. Neither of I us don't have really. any direct insight. Yeah. It's just like putting stuff together, stuff that we've talked about. It's over all just the putting podcast. stuff together, yeah. I think, for either of us. I think anyone who tells you they know is lying to you. No one really has any idea inside this Giants front office unless they – and there will be leaks unless they, are, they have some, you know, an inside source. I'll say this. I don't think that Joe Judge had a massive influence on last offseason, first of all. By the time he was hired, I think the Giants already had their free agent plans in place. I think that work gets done way before, and I think that work probably gets done by people in the scouting department in addition to Dave Gettleman. So I give Gettleman a lot of credit for that. The draft, I think, Judge had a big influence on from the standpoint of not only the type of players he wants in the building, but also it's not just Judge. It's Patrick Graham, who Judge hired, who has a specific defense that the Giants were drafting to. It's Jason Garrett, who Joe Judge hired, or probably John Mara hired, but Joe Judge may may or may not have had any say in that. And he had a specific offense that he wants to run, so they drafted a player like Shane Lemieux, who fits a power gap type blocking system. So I think more so it comes down to the systems on both sides of the ball as far as the draft goes. And in free agency, I think a lot of that work was done already. But we'll have to see. I mean, Nick says he thinks it's a collective. I think that's probably right. It's probably a collective effort. I will always, to the death of me, believe that the GM has way more power than a coach when it comes to personnel decisions. And I've just I, I've talked to enough people who were former coaches and one person who was a former general manager who Nick now knows I had a funny discussion with, but it's off the record, so I can't bring it to the pot. I can't say who. That 
to the point where I know that the GMs basically are the ones who make not only the final decisions, but mostly all of the decisions. So I'll leave it at that, but I'll let you know that it is still a G- The GM still basically makes all the decisions, in my mind at least. Unless you're the Washington football team. Yes, and then, that, the then your owner steps in and makes big-time decisions. And it's probably not just that. Literally but. steps off of his <laughs> yacht yeah. and makes the decision. So that's a whole other scenario. The Washington football team is an absolute disaster, disaster and we absolutely love it. All right, that's all we have for tonight's show. Thanks again for tuning into the Big Blue Banter Podcast. If you want to do your part to help us grow this show, we only ask for one thing. We ask for it every time. We're asking for it again. Head over to iTunes, download the podcast, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast, and then get your butt over to Instagram and type in NY Big Blue Banter and search NY Big Blue Banter. Hit follow. Start to find our content on there. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.